They should have trade. They need to trade him to Latvia right now for uh, one of the Ball brothers. <laughs> for, for one of them, we'll take the futures on uh, Lamelo. Yeah, there you we go. don't want Leandro. He's trash. We'll take the futures on Lamelo. Cooking with jet fuel. Oh my gosh, that's electrifying. You're gonna get a lot of live action. Oh yeah. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Shore Thing. Warren Shore and Ryan Silva here on Talk Radio 1190 on this Sunday night. Hope everybody had a good day and a good Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Want to shout out my mom. Uh, valiant effort for her to try and come on the show. I was hoping to silently record her during the Cavs game. We get that on the air. But the problem was we didn't watch the Cavs game because it was already a blowout. So no dice this time. Maybe wagging Cleveland fans? No. Just why watch why need to watch a blowout and get mad when you have a runaway golf tournament on that you can watch that. Uh, so this episode, uh, good show plan. We have a guest down with the Byron Nelson coming up. We're all golf or I'm a big golf guy and I'm very excited about the Byron Nelson, so we'll get into that. And we have a guest who works at the course there. He is the director of grounds. So that's coming up at seven fifteen, seven thirty. We'll get into the NBA and NHL playoffs and then we'll talk some Rangers baseball. So Ryan, uh how was your day? I know you had a baseball tournament. Yeah, no, good uh, baseball tournament uh, weather this weekend. Came up a little short today to a really good team out of Fort Worth. Uh, happy Mother's Day to my mom as well. Yeah, you can't leave, you can't just not wish her a happy Mother's Day. Well, that's why I did it. I know, but I was getting <laughs> a little nervous for a second there as you started talking about the baseball tournament. Well, just, if I mean, if anybody knows my mom out there, um, she is right at home out on the baseball field. She is usually mad if we don't have a baseball tournaments for either of my little brothers so she was right at home today both my brothers had tournaments and so she was living it up she had a great mother's day i'm assuming because of that that's good yeah <laughs> i hope my mom enjoyed her card with a bunch of glitter on it so whenever she looks at her hand she'll be like oh which of her f- children got her a card for mother's day i'm assuming the one that lives with her that is correct <laughs> <laughs> bingo <laughs> bingo all right so uh, we're going to start off here on the show talking about the Bayern Nelson, uh, lead into our guest. And the Bayern Nelson, first year moving to Trinity Forest, and that is Trinity Forest Golf Club. It's a Bill Core, Ben Crenshaw design course in South Dallas off of Loop 12 and 45. A link-style golf course, completely different than what TPC Las Colinas was, uh, or TPC Four Seasons uh, has been the host of it. It starts... You can you can't go Monday or Tuesday. It's free on Wednesday. Tournament play Thursday, Friday. You got you got to get tickets. Uh, I'm very excited for this. I caddy at the course. I've been caddying there for over a year and a half now, or uh, since last February, and I'm excited to see the grandstands have been up. You see everything building there, and it's just an exciting time there. And a little disappointed in the field. Only like six of the top 25 players in the world are here. Spieth. Kucher, Matsuyama, and Snedeker. So kind of a weak field. Which is kind of shocking. This is usually a tournament where more and guys come out. Dustin Johnson played in the last year. I think one of the things that's kind of hurting it is the switch. Because uh, at the Four Seasons course, Dustin Johnson could just stay there in the hotel and walk to the driving range. Here they got to stay at the Omni and drive down 10 minutes. But still. Oh, man. Big inconvenience. At the Omni. I know. Dang it. Big inconvenience. Excuse me. From the Four Seasons to the Omni. But very excited for it. Spieth, Jordan knows the course really well. He should be a front runner. 
But this is like the big time where the golf starts coming in to uh, Dallas with this week and Colonial. And, I mean, it seems like there's the Bayern Nelson always has some buzz. Seems like this year there might be a little more buzz because of the new course. And a lot of people have heard a lot of different things about Trinity Forest. Not that many people have been able to play it since it's a private golf club. So I think people are fascinated to see how things uh, turn out there. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, as somebody that's been able to uh, play on the course a couple times in you, what, uh, what, you got any advice or any words for people that might be out there to uh, check it out this week? Okay, so uh, I hope the that... brief description. Let's, let's put that caveat on there. Uh, <laughs> the brief description is if you're in a hospitality tent, Perfect. I don't. I think it's going to be hard for you to see putts on the green go in the hole. If you understand what I'm saying, yeah. Because a lot of the greens are kind of rose up, rise up, and depending where they have people standing on some holes, if you just have a grounds pass, it's going to be a little tricky to see it. But there are so many good spots to sit and watch the golf come in, like. The one spot where there's a bunch of hospitality tents and where you kind of a little hill where you can stand, there's two greens you can watch, two tee shots you can watch, and maybe even a third green if you look over to your right. Like Las Colinas was really spread out. You had to walk a lot. These yeah. holes are jam-packed right next to each other. The greens are massive. The name of the golf course is Trinity Forest. You won't see a tree on the entire course except the outer line of the course. So don't expect guys hitting shots out of the trees. Now, there is some fescue and buffalo grass out there that guys are going to have to hit out of, so that could be some trouble. But the really main defense of the course is going to be the wind and the speed of the greens. And Quick greens? They need to be fast because... The, for the members, I think they're going to be a little faster for the member play. We're going to ask Casey. This was one of the things I'm going to. Uh, I was going to ask Casey about. They need to be quick because they're so large. Maybe one of the strategies they put pin position in such tough spots. They're slower. They they can do that. But fast greens. The course plays firm. It's a links golf course. It's pretty much like a British Open course. Right. I I don't know if I might have told you this, Ryan, off air, but. How on the first hole when I go down to Caddy, there's a little hill you go down to the first green and then come right back up. If I had a dollar for every time I heard a guy I was caddying for that's a guest, not a member, say, "Oh, feels like we're in Scotland out here," <laughs> I would, I could, I could not caddy there anymore. Every single time, like clockwork, first or second hole, a guy's looking around like, "Oh, this is like when I was in Scotland playing golf." Well, or they'll be like, "Oh." Just nothing like it in Dallas. Well, obviously, right. it's a golf course built on a landfill, and it's a links course, and it doesn't have any trees on it. The closest thing is the tribute, and that's uh, – I mean, it's kind of like that, but this is a step up from the tribute. So yeah. it's just those two things. Well, you'll be hearing a lot of that. Um, I'm, I'm just fascinated. I think the players, some of them are going to love it. Some of them are going to like it. It's such a drastic change from every other tour course they go to. So I'm going to be fascinated to hear what they have to say and think in maybe the next couple of years when they come in, it will be uh, there will be more people playing in it and we'll get some better names in it once they see how the course is and things are along those lines. So how many years? So is Trinity already signed up to host the Byron? A for couple of years. The next couple of years? Uh, two, two or three years, I think, okay. and then they'll decide on that. Okay. But the main goal of the course is to get a PGA championship, yeah. and that's one of the things of moving to May. The PJ Championship's moving to May next year, but that's booked until like 2028. So they're trying to really get a major championship. So uh, this is a good. We'll see how this goes. Um, 
But I think it's going to be – you're going to see – if you're watching on TV, you're going to see a lot of – like there's some big ridges on greens, and you're going to see some wild bounces, and it's – I think it's going to be fun. I think, like I said, the players are going to get frustrated with some bounces. And it's going to be, can the strong uh, survive, I think? Can they, can they be like, oh, are they going to complain about it? Or are they going to be able to uh, to handle the bounces out there? Yeah. Yeah, see, I haven't been out there yet. You know, I've... The, for the pictures that I've seen, the grandstands look great. So, uh, you know, hopefully that'll be fun. Byron Nelson's been known to get a little rowdy sometimes. It is. And that's another thing I'm interested to see if the change will continue the rowdiness. Yeah. Because I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Cause you got to, you got to park at Fair Park. Uh-huh. I don't, you, I don't think you want to leave your car down there. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm not, then I'm not trying to be mean or anything. Like, facts are facts. I, I would just not, from being down there a lot, I would not want to leave my car, uh, on the, st- Street or the apartment parking lot that's across the uh, a little bit farther down the ways. And of the, the dark course. doesn't go anywhere near there. Huh? I mean, unless it's right at Fair Park, the dark. Oh no, yeah, the dark does not. It's a free shuttle. They just sh- shuttle you down. Yeah, the dark does not go there. The shuttle, they'll sh- shuttle you down. Yeah, and shuttle out. That's like the only way in, unless you get a parking pass, which I assume only the members, players, or. Uh, not even volunteers. They have a separate entrance <laughs> where they go in. Volunteers have. So it should be fun. And today the Players' Championship was there. Tiger got hot on the weekend. But this is kind of a trend. I thought it was interesting uh, what they mentioned on the broadcast. Webb Simpson ran away with the tournament. Uh, congrats to him. Good for him for winning. But Tiger has been making a lot of cuts on the number and then on the weekend plays more freely when there's no pressure on him. So I kind of I agree with that theory, just looking at the scoring. He's like f- four shots better in his scoring on Saturday yeah. than he is on Thursday and Friday. I think it's just he's putting so much pressure for himself to contend. He's just forgetting how to, uh, how to, how to play just freely on the first couple days. Excuse me. Yeah, no, um, I 100% agree there. Uh, he was almost – he was right on the cut line come Friday. And yeah, he needed Spieth, Justin Thomas, and Wesley Bryant, all the missed putts on the 18th hole, and they all and did. they did. I know. It was crazy. And then he comes in yesterday and shot, what, a 65, I believe? Um, and so it was just yeah. you know, another one of those things where he just makes a, a good run. Uh, you know, Saturday, Sunday he even had a good showing the first, I guess – what would you say? Ten holes had a pretty good showing, and then just today, kinda, yeah, fourteen until fourteen, 14 when he okay. bogeyed fourteen. Yeah, okay, kind of okay, where his round on the rail went off the rails yesterday, right? Yeah, and then so you know he was he was sitting in fourth place through nine, and uh, so but Webb Simpson kind of had this tournament in hand, you know, from from the Friday, job. yeah, when he was it, done, it was it was locked up. So it was just kind of to see where could Tiger finish, and then we were saying off air he just kind of he just kind of lost it, and just fell apart. Yeah, he put one in the water on 17. Okay, Tiger, you hit it really far, but you're not hitting a sandwich 130 yards. I'm sorry. Uh, let's let's feel let's be a little realistic here, okay? Uh, after Spieth, he was playing with Jordan today, put it to almost ace to put it like two feet, three feet. Uh, so he was trying to get it inside Jordan. But all right, let's be realistic. But I don't think he's not playing in the Byron Nelson. Hasn't announced his status for Colonial the week after in Fort Worth. Don't think he's going to play there. But his next tournament will be the Memorial in three weeks after, which is two weeks before the U.S. Open. So he's got to get – I think this week was more of like getting – last week was getting the rust off at Quail Hollow. This week I think was getting back, he said, into playing form. He's the most cockiest guy in these post-game – in these post-round interviews. So he's like, I'm getting back into my playing form. What have you been doing? You've been playing golf your whole life. You're, yeah. 
I know tournament golf and normal golf are different. You just played last week at Quail Hollow. How many rounds does it take you to get in a tournament form? Why aren't you playing this week then at Trinity? Especially just a couple, you know, month and a half or so ago, he was contending for tournament. He got wins. second. Yeah, at the Valspar and was just second, fourth, just lighting it up everywhere. So, so if that's not his, you know, golf form or his tournament form. I'm excited to see when he finally gets there. Yeah, or it if, should be pretty good. Or if this is finally. Oh, so yesterday he's talking about his round. He's eight under through. Uh, like 13. And he goes, the worst I could have possibly shot today was 65. And he shot 65. Yeah. Okay, dude, come on. Let's get a little... Uh, <laughs> I know you're the greatest ever, but come on. It's just it's hilarious hearing him talk about stuff after the round. I mean, when, you're, when you've been playing the way Tiger has his entire career, I mean, you know, well, relatively speaking... Yeah, that's that's kind of that's the edge he's got to have. But it's at the same time again, it is. Let's be a little realistic here and see. Just uh, saying, oh, I, uh, the worst I could have shot was sixty-five. Yeah. Like, what's the best you could have shot? Fifty-nine, sixty-two. <laughs> like, come on, okay, you shot sixty-five. It's the lowest round you've played since you came back on tour uh, since February. Right. So, how about we uh, be a little happy about it, okay? <laughs> then following it up again today. Oh, I probably could have shot a little lower. Well, obviously, you put a ball in the water. You made a couple stupid bogeys, okay? But, all right, that's Tiger. When we come back here on the shore thing, we hopefully are going to talk to Casey Koff, who is the director of golf at Trinity Forest. And we'll talk more Byron Nelson and more about the golf after this here on the shore thing. All right, back here on the short thing, Warren and Ryan still waiting for uh, Casey to call us in. So while we wait on that, we're going to talk some NHL playoffs. Last night, we'll start in the Western Conference and then go to the Eastern Conference where they're actually playing game two right now in the East. Last night, Winnipeg versus Vegas. Seems like a lot of people were making the jokes of, oh, who had Vegas and Winnipeg in the Western Conference Finals? Uh, can't, get a, can't get enough of those jokes. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. They're, uh, they never get old. Uh, excuse me. The Golden Knights have kind of been, uh, obviously, the shocker of of the season, and Winnipeg coming in. You know, obviously, the former Atlanta Thrashers. They they were they're finally on the up and up and getting back to where they wanted to be. Dustin Bufflin and Patrick Lane are playing out of their minds. Dustin Bufflin, I think, has five goals this postseason, fifteen points as a defenseman, which is just great. And obviously, and obviously, you always have to worry about coming across the ice without your head on a swivel because he will lay you out. Uh, but the Jets took uh, game one, four to two against the Golden Knights. Mark Andre Fleury did not have his best night last night. Uh, he's been really solid and kind of 
been one of the main reasons why the Golden Knights have been in the spot that they have been in. He kind of had a resurgence to his career um, with the Golden Knights, so it's been nice to see that. Like we said, over in the Eastern Conference, their Capitals are winning right now 1-0 against Tampa Bay. Another one of those, oh, who had... Tampa Bay and uh, Washington in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Tampa Bay, they got Steven Stamkos, who was arguably one of the top NHL players in the league. Obviously, Ovi over in Washington. Uh, they were able to take Game One. Ovechkin finally breaking through and making it to the West, or excuse me, the Eastern Conference Finals. And you know they're looking like if they can, it's early in the in Game Two. Hopefully, they can make a little uh, run here. I'm a big Ovechkin fan. Always been a big Ovechkin fan over Sidney Crosby, just because, as I've said before, I like those guys that play with a little edge and a little you know something extra, a little swagger and so I've always been a big Ovechkin guy over Sidney Crosby but obviously Crosby has the hardware to prove uh you know his worth over Ovechkin yeah I am a big I'm a big uh Ovechkin guy all right we'll get back to the hockey talk good jobs good stalling there Ryan that's what I do all right now here on the shore thing as promised Casey Koff who is the director of grounds at Trinity Forest this week uh gonna be a really busy week for him so we appreciate him taking some time out of his Sunday night to talk to us here on the short thing because the Byron Nelson is, it is Byron Nelson week here in Dallas. It is at Trinity Forest and he knows uh, probably more than anybody out there about Trinity Forest. So Casey, thank you for joining the show. That's for sure. All right, so I know some of something about Trinity Force because I cat, I've been catting out there since uh, for like 13, 14 months now. Absolutely love the place. But for viewers out there, uh, can you talk to them about like when it, the course is built on a landfill out there and when you were working with how much, uh, when you're the superintendent of a new course, like moving dirt, you had to move uh, some dirt and all the natural layout there, how much uh, did you have to just – at the start of the course, how much just of a challenge was it working with that land? Oh, it was an extreme challenge. When I got here, it was just a landfill, and we had to go through all the uh, TCEQ um, regulation to figure out how to build this place. And um, some of the things that we were in regulation not allowed to do was cut into the land that was here, which is a challenge because that's how you build a golf course. So we had to import all of our soil, and we actually built our – the golf course is built on top of the landfill with soil that we brought in, which that's not a normal way that you would build a golf course. So when you're building the course and building all the soil in, is it uh, – Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw, as I said in the last segment, designed the course. Are they specific, specifically telling you, like, all right, we want this much amount of dirt here and this much amount of dirt there. Like how much are you working hand in hand with them or how does that type of go at the, that type of thing go at the beginning? They have a vision and you just have to trust in their vision. And then they have staff out here, shapers, golf course shapers who understand how that is. They've been working with Bill and Ben for years, some of them for decades. And those guys will, all the soil is being brought in. They're shaping the golf course and moving the soil and everything. The bill that would come back for a visit, and I'd walk and just absorb everything they were talking about because it's amazing being around those two because they're just, they're, they're, in my opinion, the best architects of modern yeah, architecture. Yeah, agreed. And just being around them. Now, what I was able to be involved in is grass lines and, you know, Bill would go out there and make his fairway edge, and I'd say, you know, Bill, that's a little tough to get a mower in there. He'd be like, it's quote, uh, there's nothing magical about that line. Just move it. <laughs> and so, you know, that was the neat thing with working with them was they'd give me freedom to help maintain it a little easier. 
And one of the things about maintaining maintaining it easier, you guys actually won an award for how green-friendly you are. And the type of grass you have in the fairways, the Zoysia F1, the Trinity Zoysia, the only golf course in the world that has it. So you really have no one else to uh, go on or go on history of how to get the grass ready. So how does that help with everything? And you're kind of just winging it, I guess, with the grass. You know, that's interesting. I... When I was at Atlanta Athletic Club, and we had Diamond Zoysia Fairways and Champion Bermuda Greens, and we were the only course in the world with that. So I always said my niche in the industry is really tiny. I'm really good at something that nobody else is good at, which is a problem. <laughs> and so yeah. they hired me here, and I thought, well, this will be just like Diamond, and so we'll treat it that way. And we grew it in from Spriggs, which is something nobody else has done either. And we just figured it out on the fly. And now there's more of a template on how to do it because we did different things throughout the grow-in to figure out how to do this better and more efficiently. And now there's, you know, other courses thinking about doing this and they've, they've got a blueprint now on what to do. So that's kind of a neat thing that we can say we did is put together that blueprint for something. And I don't know what that really means if that's good or not, but we enjoyed it. Yeah, that's awesome. Casey Ryan Silva here. Um, so I, Going into the tournament, what is there, you know, specifically that you guys have to do now to get ready for this tournament? Is there any specifications that the PGA comes in and says, hey, look, we need this, or, you know, the greens need to look this way, the fairways need to be this way, or whatever it is, or it's just kind of they take in the course as it is, and it's just up to you guys to kind of manicure it to make sure that it's in playing order? Actually, no, they have changed it. They've, they've actually slowed the course down a little. The course is still fast, but they've slowed it down a little had us raise mowing heights on fairways. We mowed shorter for the members, and and that's just – they're putting on a television production, and so they're trying to get competitive scoring. So I completely understand it. And then they'll just give us a target green speed that we're going after, and they kind of let us attack it however we want to on that front. But overall, they don't really come in and tell you what to do. They're just here to guide – guide the whole process and try to make the best competition there is because it's they're not the pga tour is not trying to have people out there shooting five over par for a tournament they want birdies they want excitement like i said it's a television program right interesting so how do you you said you that they they try to get you at working green speeds for novices out there how would you how do you measure the green speeds oh uh, they use a tool called a step meter it's a three-foot bar essentially and it, it, it's designed by the usga it lifts uh 36 inches off the ground as well and then the ball rolls off and they measure that distance that it's rolling and that's just the green speed they go two directions and you know i'd say a typical for a pga tour event is anywhere from maybe 11 to 12 and a half on the stint meter those are those are pretty quick greens and we'll be in the the around 11 for the tournament Okay, right on. Yeah, and they're for the members. They're cooking up there. They're like twelve. They get up. They get up firm and fast. And it is funny, especially to see the guests. They're guaranteed on the first couple of holes. They're putting the ball off the green, and it's f- funny to watch there. So with the uh, tournament, how have you had to adjust your staff at all? Like, are you bringing in more volunteers to get everything done in the certain amount of time you have to do? Or like, what uh, what do you think your day is going to look like? Since you were at Athlete- Atlanta Athletic Club, you were there. Were you there for the PGA Championship? Yeah, I was there for that. So then you've already got kind of like an ex- a little – you've got a tournament under your belt on how the tournament week kind of goes then. 
Sure. And what we'll do is we have our regular staff that works here. And then starting actually today, we get volunteers from clubs all over the country, local clubs. So we'll go from having 35 just normal staff members to 70 to 75 just for the tournament week. And that's what it takes. It takes an army of people to do the things that we're doing. And tonight we had an orientation. That's why I was a little late. No, you're fine. An orient- or a little orientation with guys. I mean, we we even have guys coming from out of the country. And basically, I attracted them all through Twitter and other social media and said, hey, we have volunteers. And, and I send all of my assistants go to tournaments. I send them to the TPC Scottsdale, the U.S. Open, PGA Championship. So we sort of make a... A network? friends, a network. And so we're getting guys from them. They're getting guys from us. And that's how the business works. So the, we have people here, and we've housed them, we feed them, and they're here for the entire week. All right, we're here with Casey Koff, the director of grounds at Trinity Forest. They're hosting the Byron Nelson starting this week. And one of the cool things Casey is doing on Twitter, he's showcasing his staff uh, that have been working for him for a couple of years there at Trinity Forest and uh, telling them what they've done as to have them get their moment uh, in the sun on Twitter. I think that's really cool what you're doing there. Yeah, I, I, you know, they they don't get the credit. I get the credit, but they do all the work, and I know that. And I want them to get the credit because they've done such an amazing job. I'm proud of every one of them, and I want them. I want them to shine. And I tell all of them all the time, hey, you know, next time somebody's building a golf course and they want Trinity Zoysia, they have nowhere else to look. So that'll help you, you know, get that next job and get your head job and. I really want to show them off because they're they're the ones that do all the work behind the scenes. And if you guys had any idea of how much work has gone into this, they've been at it for five, six months. And, you know, I'm trying to run everything overall operational, but these these little details are, I mean, they, they end up growing and finding hotel rooms for people coming, finding rides for people coming from across the country, finding somebody to pay for uniforms because all this is money. John Deere is a huge sponsor. They gave us, they've spent countless amount of money on us to have 500 shirts to give to these people. So organizing all that behind the scenes stuff, that's stuff nobody will ever see. Yeah. When I'm out there looping, they are out there grinding real hard. So last thing I want to ask you, what do you think for people that haven't been out there to Trinity Forest and they've watched the Byron Nelson at TPC Four Seasons? What do you think the drastic, what do you think, they're going to think of the course, first of all, maybe? Or what do you think their takeaway from the course is going to be? Because I know the first time I saw it, I, I loved it. I think it's such a fun course to play. There's so many different types of shots and angles and all this type of stuff to play. What do you think for just a casual golfer uh, they're going to take away from Trinity Forest? Yeah, and it's very interesting that, that I get that question a lot. The, the guys that are into architecture really love it. The guy that is used to the Parkland-style golf course hit at the flag. He kind of stopped near the flag. Maybe it's not the thing for them. They don't quite understand that you maybe aim 30 feet right at the flag to get the ball to get close to the flag. So it's going to be a mixed review, I think, and that, that's okay. That's a, we are totally different. We're different than anything else in the Metroplex. And I expect, you know, if 50% like it and 50% don't like it, then that, that's okay with me. All right, well, thanks, Casey, for taking time out of your busy schedule coming up this week, and we wish you great success this week and hope everything goes great.
I appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. No problem. Uh, that was Casey Koff, the director of grounds at Trinity Forest, and we come back here on the short thing. We'll get back into some NHL and NBA playoffs right here on Talk Radio 1190. Message and data rates may apply. Hi, I'm Frank Thomas, the Big Hurt. After I left baseball, I just couldn't stay in shape like I used to. Turns out, once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone, and that can make it harder to get into shape. So I got back into the game with Nugenics. I'm feeling stronger with a lot more energy and drive. You want to get back into shape? Get Nugenics. All you have to do is send one simple text. Frank's right. Just text JUDGE to 42424 to get a complimentary bottle of award-winning Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Its unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testofen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help a man feel stronger, leaner, more energetic, and more passionate. And guys... She'll like the difference, too. Nugenic samples are not available in stores. To get your complimentary bottle, text JUDGE to 42424. That's J-U-D-G-E to 42424. Absol. All right, we are back here with the sure thing. Again, thanks to Casey Kaufman for coming on, talking a little bit, giving us a little peek behind the curtain of what's going into the Byron Nelson this week and how we got that Trinity Force up and running from the ground up. Uh, so next we're going to continue to talk about NHL. We you know, got into it a little bit before Casey came on. Right now the Capitals and Lightning are in a 1-1 tie uh, in Game 2. We spoke earlier how uh, the uh, Jets jumped out of Jumped on the Golden Knights early last night, really never let up, leading to a 4-2 victory to start out this series 1-0. Uh, Warren, so what, what do you, what's your takeaway so far from, the, uh, from what you've seen? Okay, so I think the Jets, I was talking to my dad, I think, about the playoffs uh, a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago. The Winnipeg Jets are really, really good. I mean, no one talks about them because they're in Canada. Winnipeg is such a small town up in Winnipeg. Um, they're great. Blake Wheeler... Dustin Bufflin, Patrick Leone, even though his facial hair is awful, they're still really, really good. And I actually picked them against the uh, Preds in Game 7 to win. Had a little uh, extra on the game, so I was happy about that. But I I don't know. Why Why do they have home ice if the Vegas won the was the number one, had the most points and the best record in the Western Conference? I was wondering the same thing. I was I'm- so curious by that last night. I I'm not sure. Maybe the NHL has a. I mean, maybe they're gonna do they. I don't know because they 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 do the same <laughs> kind of series layout as the NBA. Uh, so I'm not quite sure how that happened. But uh, yeah, that's that's definitely a little weird. Yeah, but I think Winnipeg's gonna make the cup. They're gonna win. They're gonna make it to this cup final. Vegas has been a great story, but you're just watching the game. I don't know how many Vegas doesn't have like that Wheeler. Lay on a like top line stud because they just haven't had the chance to draft one a or sign them in free agent. James Neal's a nice yeah, player. Yeah, he's probably the but one he's probably the main. Yeah, but I mean he's a good second line dude or maybe a first uh, second line guy. But that's what their whole team is. So they've just been doing a team wise. So 
The, the way they'll be able to make it and beat Winnipeg if Flurry stands on his head. He's been doing that pretty much all the playoffs. And if, if he has three more games like he did the last night, they're cooked. But if he doesn't, I think they that's the only way they have a sh- shot to me. Oh, 100%. I mean, he they like I said, they jumped out to an early lead. I think it was 3-1 after the first period. And really, Fleury, I mean, he, he did not flourish. Oh, uh, but no, I 100% agree. As I said before, Casey came on. You know, he's kind of had a career resurgence here with Vegas, and it's been one of the main reasons why they're in the spot that they are because he's played. He's played so well the entire season. I mean, uh, you know, every so often you're going to have uh, you know a tough game, especially when you're in the Western Conference Finals. And, you know, so it's kind of, yeah. I guess, understandable. But like you said, he's he's definitely got to tighten it up the next you know however many games it goes. Hopefully, Vegas comes out out on top because that's just a great story. I want to see that keep going because. Um, I'll be honest with you. If goal, if Vegas doesn't get it done this year, I don't know if they'll be back. You know, if they, if you can book them for next season or the season after that, kind of. Like yeah, it's a. I this think might be your kinda, chance early. Right I now, down the road, ten years in a bottle for sure. And you know they're they're rolling with it. But like I said, I think they obviously there's no way of me being able to tell this for sure. But that's just kind of the feeling I get that yeah. if they can do it this season, awesome. Because I don't know if they'll be able to keep this thing going much longer at this. Because you know, someone was saying level. they have to build their farm system up too, right. and who knows how good their farm system is going to be two or three years when these players are are leaving in free agency and things along those lines. All right, going to the Eastern Conference, uh, just quick a quick touch up. The Caps and Lightning. The Caps are so good on the road. That's why I give them a real, and they have Ovechkin. That's I think the main thing is they play so much better away from DC because the pressure on them in DC is so just so great. Like they. They're known for choking, right. and that's why I think they play so much freer away from uh, D.C. and on away ice, and that's what it showed in Game 1. I'm nervous when they get back at home because, like in the Blue Jackets series, they win two, they, they lose the first two on the road, then win them both back, and then eke out an overtimer, and then they play freely in the closeout game. Kind of the same thing in Pittsburgh. Even though they won the first game there, they closed out on the road. I just feel like they're a better... Uh, team on the road, and that's why they have a decent shot of beating Tampa. But Tampa is still really, really good. And Tampa got their doors blown off game one against Boston last series, and then came back and won four straight against the Bruins. Yeah, exactly. So you cannot count Tampa out by any means necessary. Uh, you know, the Capitals just got to keep doing what they're doing. If you can take the first two on the road, you're looking pretty good. So, you know, if the Capitals can do that, they, they have the, the, the room to kind of slip up if they, if, you know, so be it at home. You never know, uh, with, uh, with hockey playoffs, they always say, you know, 2-0 is the most dangerous lead in hockey. I know. So you never and know. If, if the Capitals get up 2-0, you never or know. Or a dangerous lead in the series and in the game. Yeah. That's both. So we'll come back and talk about the playoffs next week. They play every other night, unlike the NBA when they seems like they got a week vacation yeah. in between the series. All right, Cavs Boston today. Cavs got absolutely sh- uh, shellacked in Boston. I thought the Cavs were going to lose today, but I didn't think they'd get blown out. They shot the ball terrible. This was Indiana game one all over again. They were 0 for 10 from 3 in the first half, shot like 28% in the first half. And we're still only down like uh, 24, which if you shoot that bad, you should have probably been down about 40. Well, and 
to pair with that, the Celtics were shooting like 60%. Yeah, yes. 65%, 60%. Yes. I know that they, I think they're shooting 65 in the first quarter and then ended up on, you know, <laughs> it was like 60% 50, for the first half. Yes, yes. So, so. It was, yeah, I mean, so when you pair those two, you're absolutely right. Uh, and they got it down to 14 going into the halftime. And then he put, Ty Lue puts the worst Cavs line about they're all, all there to start the fourth quarter. And guess what? Boston scores a quick seven and they're done. Game over. Okay. Uh, Boston is such a much better team at home. Than they are on the road. The Cavs really only got to win one at home. I don't know if Boston can take one on the road in Cleveland because I don't think the Cavs are gonna. The Cavs aren't gonna crumble like a cookie like the Sixers, like the Sixers did, did yeah. in pretty much both games. They had they tried to give that game away, game four away. They're definitely not crumbling like game three away. And that game three, they they scored like eighty points to win. Yeah, so that's not happening. So I think this. I said the Cavs were going to win in six at the beginning of the series. I still believe that LeBron was passive tonight. He he has these feel out games. Played terrible against the Pacers in Game One. Played okay against the Raptors in Game One. The team just played better. And then this game, he was passive and he's feeling out the series. Look, everyone's going to make a big deal about this. It's one game. It's really not that big a deal. LeBron will come out. I do think though that the Cavs need to make a starting lineup change. They need to put Tristan Thompson in the starting lineup at center, play him against Al Horford. Kevin Love plays at the four, force Brad Stevens to play Marcus Morris on Love, and then have Brown, Tatum, switch off on LeBron, and then have Jr. and George Hill out there bring Korver off the bench. I think that lineup needs to be that needs to play. They need to do that lineup because Kevin Love just can't handle Horford right now. Uh, it's kind of the same thing against the Indiana series. So bring Tristan in and see if that works, which I think it will because Tristan, Tristan played pretty solid tonight. Yeah, he did. Going into that, uh, the end of it the first quarter. He brings a lot quarter, of energy. Yeah, going into the, first, uh, the end of the first quarter and into the second quarter, he was real active down low in the post but on both sides of the ball. Um, a couple misses, I think, by uh, by Rodney Hood, and he was right there for yeah. the tip-in, uh, almost back-to-back plays or real close to each other. And so he was he's real active, whereas when Kevin Love is guarding him, he just kind of gets bullied around. Love's, I don't know what it is. He gets, Love finds ways to get rebounds, though, and he right, fights for yeah. some boards, but Tristan just seems a little more bounce in there. Yeah, a little more Something. athletic. Yeah. I think, you know, like... No, agreed. Yeah. Just, he's... Kevin's good at getting the angles on the rebounds. Tristan is, like you said, uses his athleticism. So, what do you think going uh, heading into the series? They play Tuesday, then they don't play again until Saturday. What do you think it? Uh, before we talk on Sunday, there's two more games in the series. What do you think it will be? I think when by we the time the we studio? talk next time, it's going to be two one Cavs. Um, they're like you said, this was kind of a feel out game for LeBron. He shot over five from, <clears throat> excuse me, from behind the arc. So you know that's not going to continue. We only Agreed. had 15 points, uh, seven turnovers, very sloppy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and you, again, he's not going to put a string of games together like that. You're just going to come out. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out Tuesday and drops 45 for sure. You know what I mean? So I think the Cavs are going to take these next two. Um, I just don't know if the Celtics, the Celtics right now to me are kind of playing over their heads. Uh, and I just uh, when you have I a agree. guy like LeBron. Yeah, that's not going to happen. See, the thing, too, the Cavs have a couple guys that are playmakers or could be playmakers, and I think um, Rodney Hood, he could be a playmaker. You know, go out there and just give the ball to him and do his, let him do his thing and make make a couple plays, obviously not trying to lean heavy on yeah. him. And then um, same thing with Jordan Clarkson. He can put the ball on the, on the ground. He's too and- tunnel vision right now. It's 
He wants to show out in these playoffs, and when he gets the ball, it's a black hole, and he ain't passing it. And I think Jordan Clarkson's a good role player, but in these playoffs, he's just been me, 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 me. I'm driving to the hoop, and it's a turnover. Right. Or it's a bad possession. Like, just stay in the wing, stay in the corner. When LeBron passes the ball, make your three. Or he gets a shot swatted into the third row yes. like he did big. Or Al something. Yeah. The one thing I do want to say that people aren't talking about the Celtics, so Hayward missed game one. So that forced Jason Tatum in the starting lineup the rest of the year. Hey, if Hayward is healthy, Tatum isn't playing starter minutes. He's probably still a good player, probably not this good right now. Another thing is Kyrie was out in the what middle of March. Uh so these guys for the Celtics have been playing. They had like 10, 11 games when they were playing at the end of the regular season to figure out their roles going into the postseason. They've been playing 25 games together without these guys. So, yeah, it does hurt they're missing their two best players. But it's not like these guys are bums. They got a max contract, Al Horford guy. They got, what, four top five picks on the team, top three picks on the team. Like, these guys are studs. Yeah, And and it, it is Brad Stevens coaching them up, but... I mean, it's not like these guys are the 2007 Cavs minus LeBron. Like, these guys are studs. Oh, 100%. I mean, uh, Jalen Brown's been kind of hot and cold. Uh, but Jason, like you said, Jason Tatum's been tearing up. Terry Rozier has come out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, he was the 11th guy for the and Celtics. And he's developed into a good player. Yeah, he was the 11th guy for the Celtics before Kyrie got injured. So he's looking really well, or looking really good. Um, the Morris kid, uh, Marcus, is it Marcus or Markeith? I Marcus. Marcus, I can never keep them straight. They always they look exactly the same. They have the same tattoos, too. And, yeah, and the same beard. Ever since they left Phoenix because they didn't want to, they couldn't play with each other, I... I thought the point was they wanted to play with each other. Right, yeah. And then they got mad because we traded one away. And yeah. So whatever. They got soft. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, but anyway, so, I mean, you're 100% right. They they are playing really well. But, again, that's why I've said I think they're playing way over their I heads. I agree with than you, what too. They're, yeah. um, you know, what they're, they're playing confident. Yeah. I mean, that's really all you can ask at this point uh, from a young group of, of players like this. Yeah, all right. Final break here on the Shore Thing, Talk Radio 1190. When we come back, we'll talk some baseball and whatever else we want to talk about here on the Shore Thing in the sports world. That's here and more on Talk Radio 1190. Monday left me broken. Tuesday I was through with hoping. Wednesday Friday, I'm burning like a fire gone wild on Saturday. Guess I won't be coming to church on Sunday. I'll be waiting for love, waiting for love to come around. All right, back here on the Shore Thing, Warren Shore and Ryan Silva. Last 15 minutes of the show. Happy Mother's Day again to everybody out there, my mom. That's when you say, Ryan, your mom, too. Well, I was waiting for you to stop. I was just going to cut you off in the middle of wishing your mom a happy no, Mother's no, Day. No, no, no. <laughs> happy Mother's Day to my mom, too. All right. Once is just not enough. <laughs> uh, be sure to follow us on The Shore Thing on Twitter. No acting this week for me. Decided to take a day off or a week off. Uh, maybe we'll get Ryan's debut on the acting next week on the Twitter account at The Shore Thing <laughs> and SoundCloud and iTunes at The Shore Thing. All right. So Western Conference. We can't. We cannot. We have to talk about the Western Conference before. I know everyone's dying to talk Rangers baseball. They're just lighting it up. We got to talk Western Conference. Golden State, Houston. 
everyone is picking Houston in like five or uh, Golden State in five. I think the Warriors are going to win the title. Yeah, they're just too good. They have like two of the top three or four players in the league, and it's just hard to beat that, especially with Clay and Draymond around them. But I give Houston a shot. I think they can make it to six or seven, but that's about it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I want the Rockets to win. Don't get me wrong. I see. I, I want the, the Rockets, Rockets to, win to win too because I think that gives the Cavs the best chance to win. Agreed. A that's the only the Cavs have. I was talking to my friends about this. They're like, "Oh, they have a uh, chance against the Warriors." I'm like, "What? Point one? You got have Curry or Durant both tearing ACL? Not saying I want them to do that, but that's the only way." But the Rockets, they have high a chance. Sprains. High ankle sprains. Yeah, yeah. High <laughs> ankle sprains. There you go. Just missed the finals. Missed two weeks. Um, no, yeah, I agree. I, I I could see Houston maybe stretching this to six games. Um, like you said, Durant right now is just so hard to stop. I don't know who, how you can put him, you know, who you can uh, put on him defensively on the Rockets and to try to stop him because even if Curry gets deed up by Chris Paul, which you know could be very likely, and even so, I think that's going to happen. And even so, Steph could still you know go for twenty or twenty five, and that's considered a good job by the defense, you know, for the Rockets. Uh, but uh, Kevin Durant is just such a mismatch; it's unreal. The guy's length and size. And athleticism and his shooting prowess, you know, like I said, and and the Rockets are deep, are really deep, and but so are the Warriors. I mean, they match up pretty well, except for Kevin Durant. And when you're the, uh, you know, you match up well, but the only mismatch is arguably the third best player in the league, you know, second or third. That's going to be a problem. I like Ariza's probably going to guard Durant. Right. PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker is not a LeBron or Kevin Durant stopper. Like people in Toronto are trying to make him be a LeBron stopper last year. He just can't do it. So Ariza, and then the thing is, so you're like, okay, we got a good cover on Curry and Durant. We think we're able to contain them. Oh, wait, now we got to guard Clay coming off screens and switch on those. And then Draymond, you can kind of put, you can let a guy rest on Draymond. But like, what's who's Harden going to guard? Is he going to have to run around there with Clay and just use all his energy on the defensive end? Like, what are you going to do there? It's either run around with him or run around with Steph. I know. You know I mean, it's, or it's hide him poison. on Draymond and work his get worked in the post yeah, and no, just that, deal with twos. Unless he's gonna just flop his way into I think five that might, charges on Draymond. I think that like could that. be a strategy of kind of hide him on Draymond and see how long it takes them to real maybe one possession they realize Harden's on on Green and just maybe do the old pull the chair out from underneath and let him fall and yeah. Draymond goes oh crying to the ref or whatever. But, I mean, I just uh, – Durant ruined the NBA. I think we've talked about this a bunch. <laughs> Seriously, though, he ruined the NBA and the competitive balance in the NBA. Yeah, the fact that the Warriors were in that position to take him, I mean, you can't fault You're not them. faulting the Warriors no. for t- – I have – no, I'm not faulting the Warriors for taking him. I'm also – I'm faulting Draymond Green for, like I said, crying in the two weeks ago. I'm not trying to bring this up again, but literally the Cavs go in there after you win 73 games. Cavs beat you three times in a row, and after Draymond drops 30 in Game 7 and is crying on the phone to Durant about, oh, we need you to help beat LeBron, that should just solidify LeBron's greatness right there. He took down a 73-win team, got a dude crying on the parking on the parking lot outside the arena on the phone to the second-best player in the game, saying, we need you. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's such a bummer. The, that, and for Chris Paul, too, to finally get it to the conference finals, yeah. I like Chris Paul. You know, he's... So what do he's I? Like, I mean... The last couple of years there on the Clippers, he he and that entire team kind of got on my nerves. Well, they all got they, hurt too, right? And they but they were just always complaining. Him, yes. Blake, uh, DeAndre Jordan, 
uh, Doc Rivers. They just all always complained. And now, you know, like I said, I, I, I like Chris Paul. I want to see him at least make it to a finals. Um, but I just, it's not going to happen this year. I, I agree. You know, unless, unless something drastic happens to the Warriors either this season or in the coming seasons. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they rattle off another two or three. Why wouldn't I know? Why wouldn't they? So unless until they run into contract problems, like you know. Clay's up after next year, but yeah. he's talking about taking a twenty million dollar pay cut, that's just thirty stupid. million dollar pay cut to stay with the Warriors. Like that's just unheard of. There's no way that his agent or the players, the players' association, is going to have to step in. Yeah. And also, if you're Clay, all you're doing is saving the owner money. Right. And what has the owner done for you? Nothing. Just signed your checks. Get yeah. your worth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he could be. He's not going to be a, a number one guy on any other team. But he's going to make a hundred million dollars. Oh yeah, for sure. But he goes to any other team, and he's going to be, you know, a number, t- a strong number two. Whereas right now, he's like a three and a half. Or what four about guy. this thinking? Of Clay loves it being the number three guy. The pressure of him getting a big contract somewhere else to be the number two, and then he just flames out as the number two, and then he'll always be remembered as, oh, you only could do it with Golden State. Yeah. You're only a spot up shooter, and then you you can't do it on your own when you're a second, a key second option. Well, that could, that's always still out there. He could go be the number three for Cleveland. That's fine. We'll take him. <laughs> we'll take him. Shoot or shoot. No, no chance he does that. But yeah, no. no well, the Cavs don't have cap space for I don't know probably the next five years to sign any free agent. Right. But getting back to uh, the, the the series, I just you know sure uh, James Harden is going to go off offensively. I, I'm assuming Clay's going to guard him, but Chris Paul I think is going to be the X factor for the Rockets. What about Capella? Because I think Capella is the X factor for the Rockets. Oh no, when the sure. three of them play. What's the? They're, they've only lost what, like four games. I don't even the, think it was that many. It might be like two or three. I thought they lost yeah. three in the regular season oh, and then one, one in the play. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They lost to Minnesota and then they lost both series. Won five games, so they lost five games total when Capella, Harden, and Paul have all played, and they won like what fifty and three or something. But see that this is what I was saying. So, Clay Thompson is the best defensive guard for uh, Golden State. Obviously, Curry has big deficiencies defensively. So it's like who do that? That's it's 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 another pick your poison. That's why I'm saying, other than the Kevin Durant matchup, these teams really do kind of match up well because you have one guard that can play defense really well and one guard that in James Harden just couldn't care less about uh, defense and in Steph Curry that just isn't very good on defense. So it's going to be you know. In the it, to see it's going to be interesting to see how they set up those matchups. Maybe you put Sean Livingston in the in the starting lineup. Maybe you have uh, Iguodala in the starting lineup for Golden State. It's going to be interesting to see how these two coaches uh, line it up. But again, I still think it's probably going to be Golden State in six at the very most. This is GM former GM versus former coach. Yeah, and then sound like things finished on a nice cool note in Phoenix. Yeah, I mean nothing ever does so. <laughs> when it comes to Phoenix. And I can't wait for the first three ball that uh, Golden State hits tomorrow and the whole bench explodes like it's a game winner. Yeah. I mean, that is the most ridiculous thing. It's like, that's, that's literally it's a, all what the, you do. That's all you do is shoot threes and you're JaVale McGee's walking out to the basket, swaggy peas on his back, and you, you're up three points. You made a three. <laughs> I, I'm like, come on. But whatever. We digress. All right. So you got Rocket Warriors in six? At the very most, if not five. Yeah, I, I kind of agree, which I'm disappointed in. And it's just going to be another Warriors runaway. I hope I'm wrong, but... I as well hope that we are both wrong on this one. All right, going to baseball, the Rangers. Silver Boot was on the line again today. Another Silver Boot series, and the Rangers lost this one. 6-3, to three, Dallas Keuchel, 
Finally found a stuff for the Astros' seven shutout innings. Not good for the Rangers' offense. Matt Moore, three innings, three runs, six hits. ERA now 7.82. He's been terrible. Yeah, it's 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 just crazy to me how sometimes these guys, I mean, we came in for the Rays. He was one of the top prospects in the league. Yes. And now he's bounced around from the Giants and the Rangers the last three or four years. He just has nothing left. It's 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 unreal to me how how fast guys can fall. Uh, the offensive deficiencies still stick around for for the Rangers. You know they're able to scratch one across in the eighth, but other than that, you know they scored three runs in the series. Yeah, that's rough. One every game. It wasn't like oh you got shut out. Can once. we talk about the shift on Joey Gallo that yeah. everybody saw? They had seven guys on the right side of the field. I guess six guys on the right side of the field. They literally took away everybody except for the left fielder on the left side of the field. That is ridiculous. And he guess what? He grounds into the shift. Shocker. I know. You bunt the ball down the line, you're getting a double. Agreed. I. Uh, f- we had this conversation. You're like, we no. talked about it. The fr- no, no, no. We talked about it the first week of the series. Yeah. I said if there's a guy on base and they're doing this, I said if there's two outs, you swing away. Yeah. You go for the home run. I said if there's anything less than two outs, I'd be willing to bunt. But say if you're in a one-run game in the seventh inning or later and they do this on you, I'm swinging for the fences and tying it up. But I know you could say, oh, you start a rally and you can bunt that and then you can get a guy in. But with the Rangers' offense, the way it's going, the next guy's just grinding into a double play. Yeah, probably. So seventh inning or later, one-run game, I'm having him swing for the fences. What inning was this in? Did they do this all series? Um, I don't know because I only saw it the yeah, once. I saw the one time. I, I wasn't super I wasn't, locked into. I haven't the been locked into a lot of Rangers this year. I hate to hate to tell people that, <laughs> but it's they're a tough watch. Oh yeah, it's brutal. I'm I sorry. Mean, it, I'm not it's, sitting it's, down for. I'll check the scores. I'll see how they're doing. If I see the game on, I'll flip it on. But this situation you're saying in, he should have bunted. Yes, I agree. There is nobody within 280 feet of home plate other than the pitcher. On the left side of the field. You know what I mean? It, yeah. was, it was literally everyone was shifted over to the right side, even the third baseman. Usually they keep one guy uh, at, around shortstop. Nope. Brought everybody over, had the left fielder. This is the only guy. And uh, it was just, it's just unreal to me. And people wonder why baseball has shifted to strikeout versus home run. That's the reason right there. For sure. I'll, you know, since the shifts have been implemented, you'd rather, like you said, Swing away for the fences. Well, You'd it's the three true outcomes now of baseball. The walk, the home run, and the strikeout. Yeah. That's... You're getting three true outcomes, and that's what the game... The Rays mastered that last year, and... The Royals did it when they won the World Series. I mean, they To were, a they lesser were, extent. Right, and their were, thing, too, was the bullpen, having the bullpen come in the sixth but inning. But they, they weren't... What I'm saying is they weren't a big power-hitting no, team. They, no, they moved the thing. small ball. You know, get them on, get them over, get them in. Yeah, but this thing, though, is kind of... The Rays last year were reliant on a lot of home runs. Right. So I guess the three true outcomes in your base to the walk, the home run, or the strikeout. It's not kind of rallying things together is what I was trying to say. Okay, okay. I'm, I was just saying no, but I understand manufacturing what, runs type of yeah, deal. Yeah, no, this know? is kind of different. It's either you're striking out, you're walking, or you're hitting a home run. Yeah. Those are what those are going to be the three true outcomes of our offense. Anything else is fine, but those are the three we're going for. Yeah, you're not seeing hit and runs anymore. You're not seeing guys really steal a ton of bags. It's just swing for the fences because you have all these shifts, all these defensive alignments. Not, I'm not going to be one of those guys that, oh, this is ruining baseball. But it's like it's definitely changing the game to a whole other extent. That's why you're okay with a guy like Stanton uh, you know, striking out 200 times a game. 
or excuse me, a season, 200 times a game, that'd be something. Yeah, that would be. Uh, but still hitting, you know, close to 60 bombs, you're okay with that. And he hit, you know, right around 250 or 260 because, like you said, you're either going to strike out, a walk, or a home run. Or you're even fine with Gallup batting 210 or 205 and hitting 40 homers because yeah. he's going to drive in 80 runs. And his on base, his ops is going to be close to 800, but his on base is going to be 290 at at most. I want to finish up quickly. Nomo Mazzara has actually been really good for the Rangers lately. He's been on a hot streak right now. He's got 10 home runs, 26 RBIs. He's been a shade under 300. So Had a walk-off on Wednesday. Yeah, so Mazzara has really come into his own as the number three hitter on the team. Quick 10 seconds, on, 20 seconds on Mazzara. No, absolutely. I mean, he, he kind of was on a the downslope last year really shown that he's kind of turned it around this year, sitting at 284 so far this season, uh, 343 on base percentage, 523 slugging. You know, bright things for this young star, I think. Yeah, agreed. And Guzman's been fine, and they're just kind of. I would like to see some young pitching, but guess what? They have zero. Delano DeShields looking good, too. I'd for say sure. that as a leadoff hitter at the beginning of the season, that was something I liked, and he's looking like uh, he's proving me right. All right, well, that wraps up for things here on The Short Thing. Warren and Ryan, be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Short Thing and SoundCloud and iTunes. We'll talk to everybody next week.